And welcome back to another episode of 25 Stories That Made MLS. I am your host, Neetal Raman, and I'm here as always with my brother, MLS nerd and storyteller, Tootle Raman. What's going on? How's it going? Cool. So we, uh, we're, still, we're still in Monmouth Junction. I think it's worth mentioning because uh, if you hear a little rustling, it's because I'm wearing a jacket. It's kind of cold. It is cold. It's much colder in New Jersey than it is in Atlanta. But I think it's worth mentioning uh, that uh, we are in Jersey because we're now on episode seven and our topic today is... Our topic today is, um, well, actually, it's, it's story number six. No, this is number seven. This is story number seven. This is some, this is number seven because number six is about Brucey. Oh yeah, Bruce you're right. I forgot about that. Uh, story number seven. How do you forget about Bruce, man? Uh, Come sorry, on. man. My bad. Uh, story number seven. This is um, this is about how MLS gets into the serious transfer game abroad, um, and it's by um, by a certain player who actually uh, kind of grew up right by where we are right now. Yeah, Tim Howard, and that would be Tim Howard. Yeah. And it's forgivable that you're losing track of what episode it is, because I have a feeling we're still stuck in the 90s. <laughs> you know what? You're right. This story starts in uh, 1999. Oh, so close. So close. Um, and it's in the Panoramic Games. Uh, do you know what the Panoramic Games are? I have no idea. Um, so it's like the Olympic Games, but it's only between um, North and South American countries. I thought you said it's like the Olympic Games, but the the view angle is very wide. <laughs> yeah. um, no, it's it's uh, it's between North and North and South American countries, but it's the same kind of setup. It's like archery and running and track and field, but also they play soccer. Um, so we're at the 1999 Pan American Games. It's held in Winnipeg, Canada. Um, and the soccer tournament, much like the Olympic tournament now, is like the U23 team. Um, so under 23 team. It's weirdly, this time around, um, mostly teams from North America. There's only one team from South America, um, which is Uruguay. It's not normal. I think, you know, the Panoramic Games, uh, which again, Pan-American Pan Games. Oh, Pan-American Games. Oh I thought I said Panoramic. I think I might have. That's fine. I think we have to keep that in because that's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Pan American game. Pan American. That makes way more sense. Um, Let's just keep going on that. So Pan American, but the weird thing is, the only South American nation involved is, uh, is Uruguay. Uruguay. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and and it's not normal because I think the Pan American games are. Uh, now I'm in your head about it, and I, I am love totally it, in my head about it. We're keeping it. it. We're keeping it. Um, <laughs> the Pan American Games are uh, the the one before it. I think was won by Argentina. The one after that is I think Brazil might have won it. Um, so it's normally you'll see powerhouses are in it, um, but mm -hmm. this time around it's only Uruguay from South America, and for some reason the other nine teams are North American, of which the U.S. is one of the teams. And this uh, version of the tournament has some of the biggest players that you know will ever play for the game. Players like. Um, Donovan and Bocanegra, yeah. and the goalkeeper is a young keeper from North Brunswick, New Jersey, Tim Howard. So Tim Howard um, was identified, you know, pretty early on in his um, career when he was playing soccer to be a potential star. By age 14, he was in the ODP program or Olympic Development Program, 
Um, and while he was playing for the high school team, before he actually graduated, like while he was still in school, mm-hmm. he signed a professional contract um, with a lower division team, the the North Jersey Imperials, which is kind of crazy because, you know, in early episodes we talked about how... Yeah, we talked about that in Bradenton. Yeah, that people would think about, you know, soccer, especially in the early early to mid-late 90s, um, about a way to get into college. And, you know, Howard was, like, automatically just already starting to Right, everyone up. seemed to be, like, uh, sated by just being like, yeah, I'll make the high school team. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go to college and play ball in college, but uh, how often do you get a player that's so special that it's like, no, this is going to be my career. Yeah, and, and while in high school... Signing a pro contract, right? Yeah. Which is pretty cool. 14, right? Uh, no, at 18. 18, right? sorry. At 18, yeah. Um, by 14, he was already being scouted by, by Olympic Development Program. Got it, yeah. got it. Um, at, right after he gets signed with North Jersey Imperials, um, the following year, um, he actually signs with the Metro Stars, the local team. Um, mm-hmm. And he plays his first game in, in 1998. Um, 1999, he starts breaking into the first team at age of 19. He plays uh, nine different times for the Metro Stars. Again, this is really unusual because like you don't have that many super young players in Major League Soccer at this point. And he's also playing for the 1999 U20 World Cup team. It's crazy to think about, but he's only one of three players on that team that is playing professionally. Um, the, the U20 team, I think, that we just sent had only professional players. Right, right, right. Yeah, and so, but this one in 1999, there were only three. Um, Tim Howard at the Metro Stars, uh, Steve Chirondolo, yeah, legend, Hanover, 96, and John, John Thorrington, who's now the um, yeah. general manager of LAFC. Um, he was at Manchester United's youth team at the time. Um, the team would do pretty, pretty well. Uh, they ended up beating England and Cameroon, and they lost to Spain in the round of 16, Nothing to to be sad about. I mean, it's a pretty good performance. No, it's a great showing, especially uh, that long ago. Yeah. So everyone um, is super uh, excited about Howard in the U20 World Cup. So he gets immediately promoted into the U23 side, and he plays in the Pan-American. You got it. Pan-American tournament. Not the panoramic tournament. (laughs) The Pan-American tournament. and, you know, mostly a Pan-American tournament is not going to be super, um, it's not going to be super, like, uh, high profile. But the reason why this one is kind of special and why the story starts here is, like, in the stadium or in kind of the actual attendance is a scout from Manchester United, a guy named Tony Cotton. And Tony Cotton Tony what? Tony Cotton. Mm, not familiar. Yeah. So he's uh, one of the key scouts uh, for Manchester United. Uh, I think his background is being a goalkeeper coach. Um, and there's a whole bunch of reasons why he could have been there in Canada scouting. But it's good, important to remember, you know, unlike now, where Manchester United is a big team, but it's not one of the best teams in the world. Um, back then, it was clearly the best team in the world. You know, like it just won Champions League. It was a legendary team. With a lot of their homegrowns like Beckham and Giggs and Skulls. Mm-hmm. Um, so this Some is like the OGs. This is like the best team in the world at the time. Um, and so there's a couple of reasons why Leo he could Ferdinand been there. too at that time. Uh, a little bit not, after that. A little bit. A little after bit that. after. Yeah. And um, so there's a couple um, reasons why he could have been there. First, is Manchester United was not 
a stranger to having Americans in the youth ranks. I mean, as we just talked about, they had John Thorrington mm-hmm. already um, in their youth side. Also, at this point, um, in the English First Division, there's already two American keepers. Uh, yeah, you have Friedel. Friedel, who's the backup at Liverpool at this yep. point. Yep. And um, I'm, oh, I'm taking a guess, but I, I'm going to feel like a fool if I get it wrong. Was Casey Keller ever in EPL? Yeah, Casey Keller, the starter okay. at Leicester City. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Um, so two different keepers already in the in the top side, top division in England, and they already had an American youth rank. So maybe that's why he's out there um, in Canada scouting to see if there's any kind of mm-hmm. potential there. And so Howard in the U.S. team does fairly well. Um, they get the bronze medal um, in the games, um, but uh, Cotton leaves really impressed. Uh, with Howard specifically, and keeps him as a player to track in the future. So, um, but Tim doesn't know anything about it, right? So Tim has no idea that the scout is there. He just, He's just a kid. plays the game. Um, he goes Standing back to the Metro Stars. Yep. And in 2001, um, he has his really breakthrough year at age 22. Um, he becomes a full-time starter in the Metro Stars. Mm-hmm. He's also MLS Best 11 and is named the goalkeeper of the year. Yeah, I remember watching these games. Yep. And then the next year, he does basically the same thing. He's the best keeper in the league. He's MLS Best 11 again. Um, and it might be weird to have like this really strong up-and-coming youth star that's already top of MLS not getting senior national team caps um, during this time period, but he doesn't get any senior national team caps uh, because, as we talked about, the goalkeeper position is completely loaded at this point. I mean, we had Tony Miola at one point, right? Yeah, so you have yeah. Friedel... Keller, Miola. And those are the three guys that are going to World Cup 2002. Right. And so he doesn't get part of that squad. He doesn't even get a cap. January 2003, um, in the January camps, as, as people sometimes know as comp, Camp Cupcake, um, he finally gets his call up to the national team camp. Um, and it's usually a camp where, you know, domestic players get a, get a, get a shot. So no Friedel, right, right, right. No, no Keller. Um and so while he's at the camp, he gets a phone call from a completely unknown number. Okay. Um, and it's Cotton. What year is this? 2003. Right? It's so not it's that a, unusual to not know who's calling. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, it's a solid four years after you know he gets scouted. But it's Cotton, and it's sort of straight out of a spy movie, right? He says, he's like, like Howard doesn't even get a word in, really. He's like, so I'm assuming this guy has an accent. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's like, I'm with Manchester United. We're watching you, we're monitoring you, and we're interested. Um, and so it's like Q showing James Bond all the tools and the weapons. A little bit. Also, like, <laughs> could you imagine? You're like, I don't know, 24. You're playing for the Metro Stars. You're getting your first camp for the U.S. national team, and mm-hmm. a guy who's like, I'm from Manchester United again, the, the biggest best, club in the world, the biggest at club the time, in the yeah. world at the time, to be like, hey, no need to say anything back. We're watching you. We like you. And then one way or another, we're going to follow up with you. Yeah, it's a terrible English accent. Just uh, no, I wasn't trying to do an English accent. <laughs> no, I was making a joke. Yeah, uh, I wasn't trying to do an English accent. Um, and so, uh, you know, he's kind of over the moon, right? Um, and, and the reason why Cotton has been really following Howard's progress at the time when he was with the Messer Stars um, is because at this point, you know, their legendary keeper, Peter Schmeichel, has just left after, I mean, he's the guy who kind of won the Uni- uh, European Championship with them. 
Um, and at this point, they have like a pretty decent starting keeper in Fabian Barthez, but he's talented, but he's erratic. He makes some mistakes. So like um, I know Alex Ferguson, who's the legendary manager mm-hmm. of Manchester United, you know, he's like, you know, I'm open to seeing more keepers to, to drive up pressure in that position. And Cotton has been, you know, following this kid for a while. And so he made a kind of highlight film of Howard's play with the Metro Stars to show Ferguson to be like, hey, I think we should sign this kid. Which is, again, crazy to think about. Like, early Major League Soccer, a scout is looking at it and is cutting up film of the Metro Stars to be like, yeah, he hasn't even played for the U.S. national team yet, but I think he's good enough for Manchester United. Yeah, and then on top of that, it's like, yeah, I think he made a really great save from uh, the uh, 10-yard hash mark. Yeah, at Giant know? Stadium. Like, giant Stadium. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine Alex Ferguson just yeah, looking, just at, looking this at these lines <laughs> on the field and being like, like what, what, what is, is this? this? Yeah. Um, is that even grass? It's yeah. not grass. It's turf. It's turf. Um, but he makes a video. Ferguson is impressed, and he kind of gives the okay. So Howard continues his stellar play in MLS, Two months later, after he gets his first few caps with the U.S. men's national team, mm-hmm. he gets another call from Tony, um, who says, "Hey, I'm I'm flying down to watch how watch you play in the the friendly you're going to play with against Mexico." And so Howard starts in that game. He posts a shutout against Mexico, and then in the next summer window, Manchester United makes the move to buy him. So the fee ends up being $4 million uh, for the Metro Stars. And Howard's contract specifically, again, coming from Major League Soccer, the contract pays him over a million dollars a year to be part of Manchester United and another million dollar bonus if he becomes a starter. Um, Which, again, it must be mind-blowing. Like, to go from, I don't don't even know what the, the minimum, what the salaries were like back then, but, like, to go from that to being, like, I'm now a millionaire and I've been sold for $4 million, is pretty crazy. Yeah, that's a big jump. Yeah. So um, his fir- he gets sold, and his first kind of uh, game with uh, Manchester United is with uh, the Manchester United is on tour. So this mm-hmm. is around the time where all the European clubs are figuring out there's a huge potential market here, and they're, they're coming to play preseason games here. And... Um, they just signed Rio Ferdinand, who was like the world's most expensive defender in the world right, at that right. point. They signed Tim Howard, and they're playing in Giant Stadium against Juventus um, in front of 70,000 people. And, you know, it's a great marketing opportunity to get now the local hometown kid to play in, and start in this game. Right, 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 right. And but, like, look who we shipped off to the biggest club in the world. Yeah, and the rest of them are starters, right? So yeah. you have like Verone, you have Keane, you have Scholes, Van Nistelrooy, right? Mm-hmm. Against Juventus, I think Nedved was playing. Um, and f- crazy enough, man, I was there at that game. What year was that? This is 2003, and I was with uh, my, uh, my oh, roommate Oh, this is in college. like just about, this is your freshman year in college. Yeah. So it's the summer after freshman year in college. And so, like, um, I'm there with my roommate, uh, Luke Taylor, who I also went to high school. Right, right. That makes sense. That makes sense. And he's a huge Manchester United fan. And, you know, at that point, I don't know if I was, like, super into MLS. So, like, I didn't even know too much about Tim Howard. I think I heard, like, hey, there's an American, which was, like, kind of a novelty. Um, But it was just insane to see that many people to watch. I don't think I was really paying attention to, uh, to MLS really closely until... I would say 
the failure of the 06 World Cup. That, that like, us being eliminated in group stage by Ghana, like, is when I started paying more attention to MLS. Yeah. Though, we have seen games at Giant Stadium together. Yeah, I mean... we've I... we've watched Eddie Gavin. We've watched <laughs> Sergio Galvan Ray. We've yeah. We've watched Amado Guevara. We've watched a lot of these players. 100%. Yeah, and I, I remember watching Tim Howard, too. But, yeah, uh, I don't. I don't remember the first time I was actually at the stadium. Yeah, I think. I, I mean, don't think it was until after two thousand three. Yeah, I. I mean, we, I think we've definitely seen. I've definitely remember going to some games with like some youth soccer. Mm-hmm. But if you saw Tim Howard in the Metro Stars, you were definitely there before two thousand three. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, and all right. So like fundamentally, he's at this giant kind of friendly. Mm-hmm. 70,000 people, the stadium that he always played in, but it's not like completely packed with all the best players. He wins 4-1. He's like written up in the New York Times. Yep. Um, he would go on that year to overtake Barthez and become the starter of United, which unlocks his a million, another million dollars for him. Yeah. And, he, and he ends up having 77 appearances with, with uh, Manchester United across all competitions. Um, he had kind of an unfortunate kind of mistake in Champions League, and that eventually led him to move to Everton, where he becomes like a club legend, right? Right. 400 appearances, is the all-time leader for them in European competition um, in terms of appearances. Um, a, a real legend, I think, for that club. And then um, I think what he's most famous for uh, in the general population here is probably World Cup 2014. Absolutely. he's. I mean, is he still the record holder for the most saves in a World Cup yeah, game? In a yeah. World Cup elimination game? I mean, I 16, think, was yeah. it? Yeah. We talked about Belgium? it in the Bradenton episode, how yeah. important the World Cups are as like having a face for U.S. soccer. Yeah, because it's the world's biggest stage. Yeah. And so, I mean, there was no doubt out of the 2014 World Cup, the face of U.S. soccer at that point was Tim Howard. Like, he was in all like the... Letterman Absolutely, because by by the numbers, we should have been slaughtered that game. Yeah, we should have been slaughtered that game, and for us to walk away with a two one result. Honestly, we could have even won it. Yeah, we could have even won it with a you know the Wando chance, but or the Dempsey chance or the, the Dempsey end. chance at the end. Yeah. But the thing is, that game should have been a blowout. Like Tim Howard was just phenomenal. I remember one of the players from. Belgium, I forget. Was company. it Luca? Was it company? Vincent Company who said like he just said the word respect. Yeah. And tweeted it at Tim, out, Howard. At Tim Howard. Just yeah. respect the word respect. I mean, um, the the U.S. has always produced some some great goalkeepers. A lot of great goalkeepers. Uh, funny enough, many of them bald. That's not a shot at bald people. I'm just saying it's just a fun yeah fun thing. It's a fun you fact. Know? Uh. In the EPL, like Buzan, Casey Keller, Tim Howard, um, Friedel, yep. right? So, like, um, yeah, I mean, the thing that made him kind of a legend status to general population has to be just that game. Yeah, you know, for sure. And, yeah, he, he's, like, he's the hero of that World Cup. He becomes the face of U.S. soccer. I think everyone calls him, like, the Minister of Defense mm-hmm. of America. Um he finishes out, uh, I think, another year at Everton and then comes to Colorado Rapids. Right. Um, and he finishes career in Major League Soccer where he just retired mm-hmm. um, this past season. So the reason why we bring this up as like a major story to talk about is because 
the in regards to MLS, in regards to major um, MLS history, is that it's seriously I think the first real major transfer. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to. I be. mean, it's not the first overall transfer. I mean, Stern, but it's a huge, high-profile transfer out to a major club. Right. So I mean, Friedel actually was transferred from Columbus Crew to Liverpool. It's a little bit different because like Friedel was a little was a known quantity in Europe, so mm-hmm. it wasn't like you only knew him from Major League Soccer. I mean, he got a. <clears throat> he would have been in Newcastle United if he didn't fail the work yeah, permit. Yeah, we can't forget that like Howard was basically a kid. Yeah. Um, and I think Stern John was also sold to Nottingham Forest, but I mm-hmm. think Howard by far was like the the high pro- I mean, he went to the best team in the world at a at a really high profile transfer and it spoke to this idea that top teams can find top talent in Major League Soccer. I mean, it, it obviously started first with Americans like uh, Friedel and Keller and Reyna succeeding in Europe, but right. the next after kind of um, Howard being sold to MLS, you got sales like McBride to Fulham or right. Beasley to PSV, mm-hmm. and like the full realization of MLS being a pipeline to the top teams really hasn't appreciated yet. I mean, this past year and a half, we've had Alfonso Davies to Bayern Munich for thirteen million. Yeah, we had Almiron. Almirona Newcastle for like twenty seven million mm-hmm. and Adams to Leipzig for yeah. like only three million, but I think that was like more of a hometown deal. Yeah, for that's that's I mean that's from one Red Bull club to a, another Red Bull entity. So, yeah, you know, it's not as. But you you also see I mean just recently uh, like a few weeks ago, um, Joe Scally, who's never played a game for NYCFC, was sold for two million dollars um, to Gladbach and and Chris Richards, who never played for FC Dallas, was in their academy, was sold for over a million dollars to Bayern Munich. Uh, and Weston McKinney, who never mm-hmm. actually signed a contract with FC Dallas, doing so well at Schalke. Um, I think the realization of MLS becoming a selling league and becoming a major player in the global market is being started by Tim Howard, but hasn't fully been realized yet. But you know, in the next like, 15, 20 years, um, you would imagine that we would become bigger pipeline with top talent. And that story really started with Tim Howard and his journey to Manchester. Yeah. I I I, I would say that there Yeah, I don't I can't think of a single transfer out before that that would make such a headline. I yeah. Mean, you would say that's pretty accurate, right? Yeah, I mean like I said, I think Stern John might have actually been sold for more, but the idea of an American kid mm-hmm. playing at the MetroStars, first pro- real professional experience with MLS, sold to, at that point, the biggest club in the world, Yeah. then immediately almost overtaking the starting job, mm-hmm. being a success at first, having a little bit of hiccup, moving to another club and then being just a long-term success. And then his biggest moment coming in 2014, like many, many, many years after that, to showcase like how much his career developed and grown and, and has be, like basically you know become a hero, I think highlights the opportunity that MLS has in terms of being a developing force right. and then monetizing that, right? Right. Um, we, I, think, I think I would say I wish they, it would happen more often. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, here's here's the thing I have to bring up is, what do you mean exactly by developing force? Because I might have a point of contention just going forward um, with this idea of uh, selling players from 
MLS to big clubs around the world? Yeah, let's put it this way. Um, there's a soccer point of view for it in terms of what helps U.S. soccer, which is, you know, th- players can become their best when they're playing at the highest le- level possible. And mm-hmm. let's be honest, that's not currently Major League Soccer. Yeah, because the thing is, when you say development, I say exposure. Um, if you kind of buy players from like South America, right, yeah. and have them sign with MLS, yep, maybe uh, the stage is a bigger stage, not necessarily better quality. Like if like think of um, the you know the TV broadcasting rights that we have and. And the size of the stadiums that we have now for for certain clubs, right? Like, um, think about where was Rui Diaz playing before Seattle? Mexico, which is a bigger league. It's a bigger league, but does he make, like, now that he's won MLS Cup with Seattle and he's done it at Quest Field, one of our biggest venues... Yeah. Do you think more people are watching a player like Rui Diaz, or is he... Rui Diaz isn't your best argument, because Rui Diaz, I think, is close to 30 years old. So okay. I think your argument... But, but you understand where I'm going with that, yeah, right? Yeah, your argument is like the Almiro, What about Almiro? Right. BT... A Barco or a Pity. Yeah, my, my point is, is not just about... Yeah, I think you're right. This It's not just about, hey, let's take... The Tim Howard, which is like literally developing players, right? That's a literal development. Um, to let's let's buy young South American players or players from other countries at like eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old. Give them more playing time, maybe more playing time. Build them up and then sell them for a profit. My point is, there's a the there's a benefit to U.S. soccer, mm-hmm. but think about the revenue stream if you can do it on a regular basis. So the best selling clubs in the world get somewhere between 30, 40, 50 million dollars in revenue by selling players every year. Yeah. That revenue stream would be humongous for a club in MLS if right. they could do it on a regular basis. And that, I think that's my point. If you can sell if your club is selling two Tim Howards every year, at just 4 million dollars and it's an extra 8 million dollars of revenue in your pocket, that would you know, increase some clubs' revenue by 15, 20%. Yeah. And that's, that's significant. And I think we're not fully there yet, but we're, we can get there. But uh, Tim Howard, definitely, definitely a first domino. And just for, just for perspective, as far as an American sold from MLS, what's the record right now? Ooh. Oh, my God. I wish I should know this. Let's Is see. it not Josie? It's Josie at 10. It's Josie at 10, right? Yeah. And then an American. Yeah, from from at the time New York Red Bull, right? Yep, I think that's right. Because you have Davies at thirteen and Almiron at twenty seven. Yeah, not those not American. Cool. Um, so that's the story. That's the story of how um, Tim Howard went to Manchester uh, via a transfer. And MLS is really really big first uh, transfer out. Yep. Um, so as always, if we could just list some sources. So a uh, couple sources here from Sports Illustrated. Um, a keeper of promise, a 24-year-old from New Jersey, could be the first American to starting goal for World Powerhouse Manchester United. Um, for Actually on ColoradoRapids.com. Um, thank you, Tim Howard. Recalls historic transfer. Um, 
to Manchester United. And then there's also, uh, we're posting a video of an actual um, interview that Howard did. Cool. And from me, panoramic league, let's start one. Oh my God, I'm so Whatever it means, I don't know. Let's send it to research and development and let's figure out a plan. Maybe it's a better name than North American Pan Super League, oh, which would have been NASL if you listen to our bonus ode. But uh, yeah, panoramic. Let's figure out what it means. Let's make it happen. All right. Well, I promise not to mess it up so much next time. No, please keep messing things up. It's hilarious. All right, guys. We'll catch you later. Bye.